0: Welcome back to the program. If you're a Californian, and especially if you went to school here in California, its history and the remarkable life of Junipero Serra has been an important part of that education. In the mid-1700s, he would leave Spain for the New World. The Catholic Church, Christianity, and California would never be the same. We're going to talk about that remarkable journey today with my guest, Gregory Orfalia. He was born and raised in Los Angeles, educated at Georgetown and the University of Alaska, and he's the author of a new book entitled Journey to the Sun, Unipero Serra's Dream and the Founding of California. Gregory, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Pleasure to be here, Jeff.
0: Great to have you here. There has been a particular kind of surge, I guess, in in interest in Unipero Serra of late. What do you think that, that is at the heart of that right now?
1: Well, certainly the, the uh, first thing that comes to mind is it's his tricentennial. He was born uh, in November of 1713. So for 2013, 300 years, um, I, I suspect that has something to do with it.
0: And for our listeners um, that, that are outside of California or may not be quite as familiar as, as we Californians, talk a little bit about the basics of, of who he was and, and what he's responsible for.
1: Oh sure. Yeah, uh Junípero Serra was uh, in some ways uh, the man who founded California, although of course the 220,000 Indians who were there prior to his arrival in 1769 would say that it was their of course their land. California as we as we know it today. Um he founded 9 missions uh, in uh, starting with San Diego and ending with Mission San Bonaventura, over a course of about 15 years, 1769 to 1784. But, you know, he came as sort of an older man, Jeff. He was not young when he entered um, San Diego Harbor. I think he was about 54, which in the 18th century was an old man. Uh, He was born um, 54 years before in the island of Mallorca, Spain, uh, he, was, he studied uh, for the Franciscan priesthood there as a teenager. He really had made his name in, in, on the island of Majorca as a uh, theologian. He had a chair in theology at a university in Palma, which was the capital of the island. He really had it made into shade, really, but um, for some reason at the age of 36, he threw it all the way to go to the New World, and he never saw his parents again.
0: And what do we know about the motivations behind that on um, what was it yeah. that made him make this journey
1: That's a good question it's people you know talk about the pull factor a lot which is that he wanted to to convert the indians to christianity he had a, this hunger to to tackle a a sort of um, untouched uh, uh population untouched by europe um but I think there are some push factors, too, that have been underrepresented in the past. The island of Majorca, as beautiful as it is today, and of course it's a tourist haven now, was very poor in the 18th century. Uh, the land was, of course, beautiful, but it was very poor, and it was racked by epidemics and uh, drought. So that for several years in the... Um, 1740s, just before Sarah left in 1749, um, the, the, the island was just rocked by all kinds of uh, problems. And also, uh, Spain was at war with, with England, and, and also uh, Italy, and, and soldier, uh, man, uh, students were impressed into the military, literally swept out of their classrooms all over the island, including Sarah's classroom. He was a teacher. So this kind of thing shocked him. Uh, the death of several friends also took a lot, lot lot, out of his heart. So I think he was looking to start anew. He did say something about the fact that I'd, I'd like to recharge. I don't think he used the word recharge, but I'm paraphrasing. I'd like to relight my faith, the faith that I had when I was young. Um, that was part of it, and I think also the, the the fact that so much was dying around him.
0: What did he understand? What did he know about what he would be facing when he arrived in California, the native population and, and how he might be
1: received? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, of course, it was a terra incognita. It was an unknown land. No European had stayed in California. There were Explorers, as you know, as a California, there was in 1542 uh, Cabrillo uh, came on Explorer uh, by ship and and saw San Diego, exchanged gifts with the Kumeyaay. There stopped in in the Santa Barbara Islands, the Channel Islands. Uh, there was Viscaino, Sebastian Viscaino, in 1602, but nobody really had stayed. So it it was it was an X factor. Um, he when he came up through Baja there were Indians in Baja that had been more or less Christianized by the Jesuits. Now the Jesuits had just been thrown out. The king of Spain felt the Jesuits were getting too powerful. They were sort of like a fifth column in Spanish life, uh and and, and they were expelled from the New World. So the Franciscans filled the filled the gap in Baja. And when he went to Baja, northern Baja, he saw this naked Indian in uh uh was just amazed at the sight to him it was almost idenic you know a, a moment he saw the indians as existing in a uh in eden really and in a sense that they were before the fall that started you know uh, sin and 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 the fall of man um so they were in a in a world that he thought was the garden of eden
0: his missionary efforts and and his efforts to spread the faith were they more about his own personal faith, or was it something larger than that
1: hmm. well he he was certainly zealous for the faith um, he, he his faith was very strong um, i I think that he you know maybe it was a bit of both i mean I think he he felt that he had. He had a a, a a vision of a life in, in Christianity. He felt that Christ's example was something that um, would be good for the Indians. He he felt this that that the Indians, however, had a soul, unlike a lot of the Europeans who you know colonized the New World. Um, he was not for a slash and burn policy. He did not follow the example of the early Spaniards, for example, Cortez and. Pizarro, who massacred you know thousands of, of Incas and Aztecs, two hundred years later, I think Sarah had learned something and he, he, I think he knew that you know the conquista espiritual, as he called it the, the spiritual conquest could not be affected by a brutal policy of repression um, so he I think he felt like he could bring the gospel of love to the Indians, and I think he felt like he could do it. In a nonviolent way. In fact, he even had written at one point the Viceroy saying, if I should be killed during this campaign in California, uh, I do not want any any Indian arrested. I don't want any Indian uh, hurt because of it. And in fact, he, although he he was not uh, martyred in California, when one of his confreres was, he ordered, he told the Viceroy, I want all the Indians who killed the, the Padre to be released.
0: Talk about the Franciscan influence, the powerful influence of St. Francis on his worldview.
1: Yeah, and I feel that St. Francis is becoming, you know, almost reborn in our world today, particularly through uh, Pope Francis the I. Um, Francis was really uh, an amazing person, and And to many in the hierarchies in the Catholic Church, way high up, the Cardinals, even the Pope, they didn't know what to make of him. You know, he's a 14th century saint who, um, you know, grew up fairly wealthy. His father was a cotton merchant and a cloth merchant. And Francis uh, was was a soldier, kind of like Ignatius Loyola, the man who founded the Jesuits. Um, And he had a conversion sort of story, just like Ignatius while in prison, in 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 uh, while he was fighting the Moors, and at one point uh, when he was in prison, uh, he just had this this sort of great spiritual awakening uh, about Christ, and he came out feeling uh, that um, he wanted to follow the example of Christ, and he was against materialism. He you know okay. don't even you know Franciscans were not to own property. They they had only one tunic. I, Many of them were didn't even have sandals, and they were they were basically the you know first rolling stone gathering no moss kind of order. The church hierarchy didn't go for this, especially those with all the finery and the gold uh, brocade of the of the papacy. Um, one reason that Francis was never chosen as a name by a pope, but we have one now, and you know of course what he thinks he's. He's he's very, very much speaking up for the poor and for outreach to the poor and against the great gap between the poor and the rich. That comes directly from St. Francis.
0: One of the points that that you make in the book is that while this is certainly the story of of California and and the evolution and founding of California, that it's also a deeply American story. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I'd like to, you know, kind of suggest through the book... um, Jeff, that that you know, this is not a regional story. That Sarah, you know, in some ways, begins a whole culture in California and the Far West through the Spanish prism that is different than that that was founded by the Puritan East uh, in um, in New England. You know, at the time of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, or for that matter, uh, in J- at Jamestown in Virginia. Um, it's you know the, the Puritan ethic that came through New England you know believed that that wealth uh was a sign of election material wealth it looked down on the body in favor of the pure pure mind uh it did not uh cotton to uh physical art paintings uh sculptors, um, uh, icons of the kind that, of course, Catholic, uh, Spanish Catholicism did. Um, you know, I think that there's a very different ethic that, that in some ways reveres nature. Uh, this was not a Puritan ethic, but, but the ethic that, that Sarah took, not just from uh, the, the artistic cultures of Europe, but from the Indians themselves. If you look at Sarah's missions, particularly the ones he founded in Mexico, you'll see Indian symbology right alongside Christian, for example, in up in Halpan and the Sierra Gorda, a mission that Sarah founded. You'll see the hairless dog Zola, which is uh, from the Aztec tradition, right alongside the Christian lion. And this kind of combination is so fascinating. For our country, you know, needless to say, Jeff, uh, we have a huge new uh, population, a growing population of Hispanics and immigrants from the Latin countries, uh, to our benefit, I think. And I think as, as that population gets larger, and some people say that it, that in some ways it swung the last election to Obama, the Latino vote, uh, this, this Hispanic heritage that, uh, and way of looking at the world, not Puritan, but Spanish Catholic, Uh, not afraid of the body, interested in art as a way to God, um, it it may give us a kind of different foundation story than the ones we typically hear about in the East.
0: In many ways, it reflects the the cultural differences, as you alluded to before, of the West in general, even beyond California.
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. I think we have a region in the West, a, a culture in the West, that is much more inclusive of Aboriginal cultures. Certainly, in Arizona and uh, New Mexico, this is, these are the states where Indian culture has most uh, impressively survived. In California, you know, uh, contrary to sort of the myth that 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 the Indians were disappeared more or less, their their population was drawn down very severely, but that wasn't the Spaniards. That was the Americans who came in with the gold rush. I think the population of the of in of the Indians in the in California was one hundred and fifty thousand in about eighteen thirty four uh, when the missions were secularized, or I should say eighteen forty four, and then you know twelve years later, after the gold rush, the Americans had it down to thirty thousand. So um, that that population, nevertheless, somehow. Uh, persisted, and today there are six hundred thousand californians who who call themselves at least in part Native American
0: Tell us a little bit about the missions, about the way in which Sarah traveled through California
1: Well, there is the myth of him walking everywhere, and mm-hmm. again that that really isn 't true there were, he He traveled fourteen thousand miles in the new world by ship mule back, horseback, and then walking. I've been able to substantiate about a thousand miles on foot, which is not a small amount, but it's not his whole journey. He may have walked more than a thousand. That can only be, you know, I'm just giving you the figure that we can substantiate. He was tireless. Um, The man was just physically amazing. Um, He did walk from vera cruz to mexico city when he first landed in the new world in 1749 was bitten by a spider um at that time that and that ulceration that came from that wound necrotized and it and it it pained him the rest of his life next 25 years everywhere he walked uh, was often done with pain well, you were mentioning you wanted to know something about each of the missions. Well, he, he founded nine. There were 21 ultimately, but he founded the first nine, the critical ones. The first, of course, was San Diego, um, and uh, that was a tough one to get started. The Kumeyaay tribe were probably the most resistant of all the California tribes right there in Mission Bay and around Mission Bay and east of, uh, of what we call San Diego today. It's a large tribe, very proud, uh, very strong in their beliefs, he tried to baptize a child at that first first mission, and the the, the Kumiai parents who had the infant were so shocked that he was pouring water out of a silvered shell. They snatched the baby you know out of his arms and and ran back to the village so things didn 't get started too well there on the other hand. Uh, you know, the third mission at San Antonio was, was a charm um, east of the Big Sur Mountains. The, the Indian population there, I believe, was um, Esalon and they were very, very uh, receptive to the priests that taught there. Uh, the priests that taught there or, 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 or ministered there, and, and after Sarah began the mission, you know, created this huge 400-page uh, grammar, of the Asseran language, and, and it was a, a standard in the field for very, very many, many years. Then uh, Dolores was created in San Francisco near you by uh, by Sarah's best friend Francisco Palo. and Sarah went up and uh, did some confirmations and baptisms. Of course, Dolores uh, suffered a great deal from the from the uh, spread of germs that came in with the Spaniards. Um, For some reason, the dampness of the San Francisco area uh, incubated um, and exacerbated the the problem with microbes and and white man's illnesses, Um, and that was a a tragedy that affected particularly uh, Dolores in San Francisco. Uh, There was a revolt in San Diego, you know, in 1775, and Maybe I can give you what I think is kind of the pivotal moment in the whole Sarah story occurred. Then, you know, the the mission was burned to the ground by the Kumeyaay, and um, one of Sarah's best friends, Father Louis Jaime, was was killed, was was murdered. And this at this moment, Sarah, who was up in Carmel, was deeply disturbed. Maybe nine, somewhere between nine and twenty-four Indians, <clears throat> depending on which record you read. Uh, were arrested, and and it it seemed like they were going to be executed as rebels. Zara did not want that to happen. He wrote the viceroy and said, you must release them. Um, uh, If you don't release them, we will have lost the the whole basis for our being here, Um, and and that is to save their souls. So they must let let the murderer go free. So that he may be saved, and you know, like I said before this is this is Jeff the Gospel of love
0: to what extent was he propelled forward by the success that he had by by the fact that that he was able to preach yeah. the gospel and have success doing that
1: yeah, that's a good question, I think you're right i think um, and it wasn't even I mean the first three. San Gabriel, the second mission was haunted by soldier molestations of the Indian women, and Sarah was appalled, insisted you know that certain soldiers be cashiered and sent sent back or imprisoned. Um, sometimes he was successful in getting them punished, and sometimes he wasn't. He had to you know more or less run back to Mexico City to plead. For the missions uh, uh, to be continued and and more more um, uh, uh, foodstuffs to be sent and 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 these and the governor the military governor to be cashiered, this was a, another pivotal moment in 1774, and the viceroy agreed. So in a way, even with all the, uh, the the bumps in the road, you know things things moved forward and and more and more Indians came in. Of course, it's ironic to some extent, because more and more Indians came in because they were they were falling sick in their own villages. And, you know, as I said in the book, the one of the great ironies of the missions is they were both protection and exposure. Um, so when the Indians came in fleeing their, their, what was going on in the villages due to white man's disease and the trampling of crops by the new settlers... You know, they got clothes, they got food, they got shelter, but sometimes they also, you know, if they were in locked locked quarters, as some of the women were, you know, the, some of the microbes were being incubated there. So it was sort of a double-edged sword for the Indians. Nevertheless, they kept coming and coming, and they were wonderful choristers. They were sort of, many of them were captured by the beauty of the artwork and the music uh, that Sarah introduced. And, as I say, the Gospel of love for women Christianity uh, had a special attraction they They received uh, somewhat more agency uh, uh, than they had uh, in the in the villages
0: it 's interesting because you you talked earlier about certainly the the increasing Hispanic population in California in many uh-huh. ways. Sarah is the crossover figure he is embraced by by all parts of of the California population in terms of its history and in terms of its Hispanic influence.
1: Yeah, I think he is kind of our father, uh, in a sense, our our progenitor, if you will, both uh, spiritually and politically. Uh, He was an explorer. Um, He he, he was, in some ways, our first anthropologist. It's interesting in a way that the whole field of anthropology follows on from Father Sarah in the the, uh, figure of A.E. Kroeber. The uh, anthropologist who began the field at Berkeley, um, yeah, I mean he he is loved by all, not just Christians too. I think Jews and uh, Muslims and others study him. We all study him in the fourth grade, don't we? <laughs> did you uh, did you yourself uh, do a mission project, Jeff?
0: Uh, no, but my kids did. I I was in New York <laughs> in the fourth grade, but I I built oh, okay. a couple a couple oh, of missions okay. in
1: my day. Right. Well, yeah, I was. I did a mission project for the San Juan uh, Capistrano. You know, you could do Dolores, you could do San Rafael, uh, San Francisco Solano, uh, which is over the, uh, over the gate, too. Uh, and, of course, San Jose in East Bay.
0: Gregory Orfalia, the book is Journey to the Sun, Yannipur Serra's Dream of the Founding of California. Gregory, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: Hey, thanks, Jeff. I much appreciate it.
0: Thank you. The book Journey to the Sun. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.